All right. Well, good evening, everyone. It is 9 p.m. on the East Coast and I believe 6 p.m. on the West Coast. Welcome to the Global Math Department. My name is Lee Natero and I'll be your host tonight. Tonight, we're going to hear from Andrew Stadel about the expert within you and your math students. Would everyone please introduce themselves in the chat window telling us what you teach, where you teach, and what your Twitter handle is, if you have one. You know, we definitely have some people with us tonight from the East Coast and I think I saw Missouri there as well. <clears throat> right. Um, we're glad that you are here tonight. Uh, before I introduce our speaker, let me explain how these meetings work. These meetings are recorded and are available approximately 24 hours after the meeting ends. Uh, to the, view the recording, you would use the same URL you used to get here tonight. The global math community prides itself in being friendly and supportive. The chat room is available for topical and general conversation throughout the meeting. I'll catch your questions for the presenter at the end in case he doesn't notice your questions within the chatter. Um, our speaker tonight is Andrew Stadel. Andrew is thrilled to once again be a secondary math teacher after being an instructional coach for six years. He believes every student deserves a chance to make sense of math. And so I'll turn our presentation over to Andrew. Thanks, Lee. Thanks for having me. Thanks everybody for being here. And yes, I do believe that every student deserves a chance to make sense of math. And uh, this might be a bold statement right now, but I almost feel like, uh, no one right now is an expert with what's going on. And so uh, I might eat my words, who knows? Uh, but I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad you're either, if you're tuning in live or if you're tuning in uh, after the fact and playing this recording uh, during your busy time of year in terms of the start of the school year, I appreciate that. So I know that's a bold statement with no one is an expert right now. And the, the backstory on that is, the time and place that we're in, in terms of August of 2020, back when quarantine started happening, uh, I was I was laughing inside because there were a lot of things coming out saying best practices this and best practices that for students. And I don't know if I necessarily agreed with a lot of that. And I think that was a bold claim, just as bold as no one is an expert right now. However, I do believe that there are experts within us and we're an expertise of something and our students are an expertise of something. And the key is that we find out what that is and we share it with each other. So uh, I'm not coming to you from an expert role. Some people I, uh, I know have attended workshops of mine or conferences of mine in person or whatever and have uh, maybe labeled me with an expert and I have done the same with um, others as an expert. I'm not coming to you from a place of expertise. I'm coming to you uh, in the sense that we're all in the same room, we're all in the same teacher's lounge. And during these, uh, Interest, this interesting reality that we are currently in. I'm asking that we uh, check our egos at the door and we find our expertise and we share it with each other. And we tap into that expertise so that we benefit and we can thrive and our students can thrive. And it's gonna be challenging. We've got our work cut out for us, no doubt. And we're all in different places too, I understand that. So in terms of uh, what our districts are doing, my district is on a, just came off a watch list here in Orange County, California in the sense that uh, September 10th, we might come back to a hybrid model. And I'm excited to see kids. I'm excited to have that human connection again. Um, I'm also uh, apprehensive about a few things, but I I'm sure we have a interesting um, range of what we're excited about and then what we're also um, maybe fearful or anxious about. So however you're feeling tonight, I want, I want to once again, thank you for being here. I want us to tap into the expertise that we have that we're learning about expert expertise takes time and patience and trial and error. And I hope that uh, tonight's message inspires you a little bit. I don't know about you. Uh, I'm definitely uh, living in the world of these virtual webcam things. Uh, at the same time, 
they'd start making me feel like that. Or I'm just like, oh, another one, another uh, connection with somebody behind a screen, whereas it would have been a lot easier to talk to that person and connect with them in, in, in real life, right? So I don't know if you're feeling that same frustration. So what I like to do with my students currently right now is always start the class with uh, an icebreaker of some sort. And I'll pull it out of thin air sometimes or I'll think about something I heard uh, in the past 24 hours or something that happened in my life. So uh, I like the idea of a desert island. If you were on a desert island and you could eat one thing for the rest of your life because you would never, ever get tired of it, what would be your favorite snack? That you would never ever get tired of and you could eat almost every day almost every meal toss it in the chat i'd love to see what we've got here <clears throat> granola bars it's a good way to go i'll toss mine in there too All right, we got sea salt and vinegar chips. That'd be perfect for a desert island, right? <laughs> Gummy bears. I'm a chips and salsa person. I could eat that forever. Ah, oh, Casey. I don't know, Casey, if we should be on the same desert island then. We might be fighting over chips and salsa. We should be on, stranded on maybe our own separate desert islands and have our own surplus of chips and salsa, right? Popcorn's always a staple. Water, I don't think there is a thing I could eat every day. That's okay, but water is definitely a necessity. Right on. I appreciate you sharing um, and getting to know each other in terms of what we like and what we don't like. So uh, I know no one is an expert right now. I say that, uh, however, what I do believe is that we all are an expert at something. Uh, whether that's mathematical, whether it's math teaching or parts of math teaching, you know the answer to that. Right now, you might have done something in the classroom um, in person, and then now all of a sudden, it's not transferring to the virtual remote learning that some of us are encountering right now. Uh, and vice versa, maybe some things that are working in that virtual environment maybe didn't work as well in a face-to-face uh, -face interaction learning environment. So uh, I know for me, it was uh, I had a lot of anxiety going returning to the classroom after six years of being an instructional coach. And uh, then that anxiety definitely ramped up as we returned uh, fully virtual. And so I'm learning a lot of things, trying a lot of things. Thankfully, I've got a lot of grace uh, that's been provided by my administration, my district, um, as well as parents and students. And if you don't have that grace, I, I hope that that grace comes to you at some point. Um, I know right now in my family, we're feeling it. We're feeling it right now. Um, and some of us feel like this. If we played a quick game of would you rather teach virtually or yes, whatever the other option is, we would choose it. <laughs> I know that's how I feel. Like I would just rather do uh, meet at a park and let's just get on a megahorn and teach to people that are uh, you know, socially distanced, whatever you want to call it. It's almost like any alternative to virtually trying to connect with people I would prefer. Um, so today, here's our plan, everybody. We're gonna discover maybe your new expertise that maybe has been lying dormant, maybe you didn't know you had, or maybe rediscovering an expertise. I also wanna focus on why we got into education in the first place, and that's your students and our students and what expertise might they have. These might, it might be challenging to dig deep and find that expertise, within the next 45 minutes. And if you don't find it, just be patient. It will come, it will come. And the last thing we can do is drink. I'm sorry, that's optional. Uh, but hey, join in if, if, that's your, if that's your jam right now. I hear you on that. So um, my family, we're feeling this pinch as I'm sure a lot of other families are. Uh, this picture makes me takes me to my happy place. Uh, we were able to visit the beach during the summer and uh, no one else was there. Just kidding. I asked them to get out of the picture. But here's the deal. Um, they're also feeling this, this whole virtual exhaustion in terms of webcams and this. Uh, I, we've got it good. Admittedly, my family and I, we have it pretty good. We love each other. We've got some devices. We've got some internet. Um, our house is a stable house. We've got a lot of luxuries. 
that a lot of families don't have at this time. And I'm very grateful and blessed for my family. My wife is a first grade teacher. She's struggling right now. It's hard. It's hard being an elementary teacher. So I'm seeing the back end of that. And I don't even know the half of it. Uh, I get glimpses of it every day, but I know how challenging it is for her. As a secondary teacher, I have some kids that are pros on these devices. So I've got that built in. But at the same time, there's a connection that we all are losing out on. So we're all feeling that pinch. I think we can all somehow uh, find out what is going to keep us, give us hope and get us through this challenging time. So uh, with that said, um, last week I told my kids, I said, hey, they started about a week later than me. So um, I told my kids, I said, hey, you're at home with mom. You guys got to do your job, be your best that you can be while she's teaching from home and uh, do your jobs, you know, be well behaved when you're on your Zoom or your Google Hangout with your teachers uh, while she's trying to teach her first graders. Uh, just do your thing, do your thing. And at the end of the week, we'll go celebrate and have some ice cream. Okay. I uh, got to build in those little carrots, but at the same time, it's also something fun to look forward to, right? So I hope you, in this time of discovering your expertise, you also plan things that you can look forward to and celebrate the, the hard work that you're doing during this time. So I'm looking forward uh, to getting some ice cream uh, again this weekend with my kids. So setting those little events up are helpful. So let's talk about how we might be able to find ways to discover our expertise. Uh, I know right now, I'm like I said earlier, there's times when I'm feeling like, holy cow, this worked. Uh, I remember seven years ago when I was in the classroom, I had this a few pocket strategies that I could go to and uh, they were typically would get me success, whether that was questioning students in terms of um, how they're thinking about mathematics or striking up a, a, a conversation with the student to make a connection. And now like I feel at a loss, like something that I pride myself in is, in, is questioning students in terms of finding out what they know, where they're stuck, uh, seeing how, uh, learning how they see the mathematics or don't see the mathematics. And there's this, this technology barrier uh, has been challenging. So I'm, I'm trying to be resourceful and find workarounds by listening to colleagues, seeing what they're trying and trying things and just going, all right, if this doesn't work, we'll try something new. Um, so I wanna share with you a couple ideas that I'm finding uh, that feel like small successes, uh, but I don't pretend to be the expertise. And we're gonna use this time to share what you are also experiencing in terms of what's working and what's not, because this is the best time to have our teacher lounge together. So. In terms of discovering your expertise, this is one of mine. I said you could drink. Oh no, not drinking. Drinking is not my expertise, but I love finding things in the world that are at least around my world that are interesting to me and sharing them with kids and hopefully ramping them up with excitement um, and hopefully generating some interest for them to look at their world, to inspire them to look at their world and find out what's interesting to them. Now, I'm not putting this picture up in front of students. No, 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 no. What I'm doing is I'm sharing with you uh, an experience I had that I love. I love uh, going out with friends, sharing stories over a, a drink or two. And let's focus on these glasses. Some of you might have seen this before, but where I'm going with this is I love being fascinated with tall glasses, especially here. And there's something interesting in the design principle of glasses. Uh, and equilibrium. And when you get tall glasses, you start challenging that sense of equilibrium that glasses have. And so my challenge to you is if you had to estimate the circumference of the base of that glass, um, would that circumference be shorter than the height of the glass, equal to the height of the glass, or taller than the height of the glass? So you've got three choices. And I'm curious what you think. So toss your um, your answer to this question in the chat. And if you uh, need a quick crash course on the circumference, it's the distance that goes all the way around that circular bottom of the glass, right? So thanks for being brave. We've already got a couple shorters here. A few shorters, we're up to about four shorters. Howie says longer, he's being brave or a rebel, whatever it might be. And if you already know the answer to this question, that's cool too. You can uh, keep it like, hey, I already know. I love how you guys have answers that like, I just say my answer and you don't follow it up with like, I've already done this before. I know the answer. 
Because oftentimes students do that, right? And in this virtual environment, it's hard to address those emotions that students have and not to come across like a complete jerk. Uh, a, a rule that I stole from someone, some of you might know Fawn Wynn is to never tell an answer. So uh, that was one thing I had to address with a couple of my classes recently is that, hey, uh, I, and hopefully they can hear the sincerity in my voice is that, hey, I really love that you got an answer uh, and, and you re feel really confident about it. I have very few rules in learning math. One of them is never tell an answer because what you're doing is you're robbing somebody else of that opportunity to think creatively about a math answer. So uh, some, we got some more people weighing in here. So this is, a, this is a fun thing that's interesting to me. I'm not gonna pretend that it's interesting to everybody. Again, my goal here is to hopefully inspire you to look in your world for things that are interesting and encourage students to look for interesting things in their world. So uh, as I travel, I always carry a measuring tape in my backpack when I'm out. So I measured the circumference here of that um, glass and it was eight inches exactly. Okay, so now if we unfold uh, that eight inches, that's what the eight inches looks like. And uh, as you compare it to the height of the glass, you can see that the measuring tape isn't even all the way straight and it's still taller than the glass. So if some of you still need to see it, I'll go ahead and straighten it out and there it is, which typically blows people's mind. Like anybody in the chat that said shorter or equal, did that just kind of blow your mind? How, how do you feel about that? That's my question. How does that make you feel? So Reggie, I'm glad that that was cool. And you're like, whoa, again, see things that are interesting to me might be interesting to others. And I'm glad that I blow, uh, blew some of your minds. Now, again, back to design principles. Uh, one of my classes that I'm teaching right now is ge geometry, ninth grade, and we have an engineering and design focus. And so looking for things like this in, the, in, my, in my world uh, are actually design principles that we all uh, benefit from. Maybe some of you have experienced glasses like bottles. Maybe you can see me. This one is not a good example, but sometimes when you rest something and it just you just barely tap it and it falls over because it breaks that point of equilibrium, you know, we can talk about that. Yeah, there's some physics involved, but geometry in terms of the, the sense of the structure of the um, jar or glass or bottle or whatever it might be comes into play, okay? So yeah, circles are really amazing. Uh, and the more that I am in education and explore them, they continue to fascinate me. So I appreciate that, Julie, okay? So I'm glad that we got some surprises in there. Now, when I say this is my expertise, this is something I pride myself in. Expertise, I don't know if like I'm a, a complete expert in always finding things in the world, but I feel like I'm putting on my expertise hat to look for these things. I might miss them. I might not be able to explain them well to kids. I'm not saying that's my expertise, but my expertise is being curious about these things and then finding a way to share it with my students. So I'm encouraging you to do the same. Find things that you're passionate about and interested in about. And I think find, find that personal connection that you can make with students because the more that they see us as humans interesting in this world, then I think we're providing ourselves with hope that when we do come back face to face, that we'll still have some remnants of um, a human connection that we can tap into, as opposed to simply saying, hey guys, we're in this next unit today where we're learning about circumference and diameter and height of 3D figures. So uh, if you wanna make this kid friendly, you don't teach at the college level, right Lee? Um, you can bring in regular objects like water bottles, okay? It's a, it's a, you can keep it very PG with the items that you bring in. So just because I was at a bar and uh, referenced that doesn't mean you can't do it with other objects. So very fun. Find that expertise with things you're curious about and interested in. Here's another one you might be able to bring to your students. Uh, one of recent um, curiosity for me and uh, toss in the chat if you can recognize what I'm holding in front of you.
So if you're having a little difficulty recognizing it, uh, and for those of you that might not be, you know, those of you probably listening in your car or something, um, what I'm holding up is one of those cardboard coffee sleeve uh, holders. Yeah, it's a coffee sleeve. It's those things that um, uh, coffee stores will put around their coffee cups so that people don't burn themselves and potentially sue. Okay, so, and especially when you have caution written all over it. Uh, so now here's the deal. I'm holding this up so it's pretty much flat like the company would, the coffee store would get it out of the box. They haven't expanded it to put around the coffee cup. So it's flat. And you'll notice that this thing might appear like from a distance like a rectangle, but here we go again, we've got curved um, sides, if you will, or um, many little arcs, kind of a way to think of it. So uh, I threw this challenge at my students at the beginning of the year and I said, hey, how many do you think it would take? Uh, because if these things are gonna uh, put them side by side, they're actually gonna start forming what shape? So let's start with that question. If I put these side by side and I got enough of them, what shape do you think this would form? Can you toss it in the chat? Let me know. An arc for sure. If I had enough to continue that arc, a rainbow, okay. So would this possible, if an arc had enough uh, materials, could, would it close? So yeah, a lot of students had the same responses as you. They thought it was either a circle or an oval. And so I said, okay, it's gonna actually form a circle. Now, I didn't show them the final answer of a circle because that was the next part. I only showed them maybe a two or three next to each other so that they could start thinking about it. And again, I'm curious about things in my world, in our world, that might be interesting or inspire students to look at things in their world. So uh, I know you don't have much information here, but uh, how many of these do you think it might take to um, let's, let's form that full circle? Toss an estimate in the chat. And then I'm gonna give you more information if you wanna revise your estimate. So one weekend I, um, I went into the coffee store and I pulled the whole teacher uh, card. I said, hey, I'm a teacher, math teacher, and I'm looking to bring some math from the world into uh, the class with my students. I was wondering if I could have a bunch of sleeves to form a circle. And they're like, uh, okay, how many do you need? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe 10? Well, thankfully, they were super generous and gave me a, a bag chuck full of those things, and they gave me more than I needed. And 10 would have been too little. So if you want to revise your estimate, 10 was too little. So we've got some that are 24, 40. We've got an 8 in there, which I think now will be revised. And we've got a 20 and an 18. All right. So I'll put the visual up. It's not a perfect circle, but gosh, it looks like a pretty gosh darn good circle. And disregard the blue arrow, that is entirely nothing, that has entirely nothing to do with the math here at hand. That's just a label on my desk in preparation for a classroom that has students six feet away from each other. <laughs> All right, uh, can you count them? You are correct if you counted 22. So if you were like five off, with very little information, you should be like high-fiving yourself and maybe any other person that you've been uh, sheltering with. Um, so guys uh, and, and ladies, this is uh, a, again, an example of, I'm not pretending to be an expertise on the design of these things. I'm, uh, what I am doing is saying I am passionate and I feel like super confident to take something as simple as a coffee sleeve and find some interesting way to share my curiosity with students that I pride myself in as an expert, okay? Whether or not I deliver, whether or not I capitalize on the mathematics, I don't know if I feel like an expert there yet. So um, let's, let's talk. How can we go about discovering our expertise? So I wanna, you know, we're probably gonna have an awkward silence here of about a minute or two. I really want you to think hard, think deep. I know it's the end of the day on a Monday, and a, a Tuesday, <laughs> and I really want you to think, what is your expertise? What's the one thing you pride yourself in that you bring to the classroom? 
It doesn't have to be mathematics. Uh, it could be something. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to kind of put my coaching hat on. And once you start sharing, I'm going to help you dig deeper if you need it. Okay. Like what is that thing that you feel you pride yourself in right now that you're an expert in and what is it? And start typing it in the chat when you're ready. It doesn't have to be an instant chat. So I'm going to hang out here for So if you're listening after this recording, you're probably like, when are they going to come back? Well, I'm back. I'm paying attention to the chat. I'm trying to channel my coaching hat here and also uh, being a thinking partner and learning more, being interested in what you guys are bringing to the table. So uh, I'll tell you step one in terms of my intentional questioning in the chat. So a lot of people type in or students are very good at um, sometimes giving very short one word, two word answers. Uh, and they and they have maybe been conditioned to um, thinking a couple things. Students might have been conditioned where, uh, well, if I just say a couple words, the teacher will cut me off and finish my thoughts for me. And I don't really have to think that hard. So I'll just kind of give them something and let the teacher take over. Uh, some students have been conditioned to think, um, one or two word answers are good and that will get me off the hook. Uh, so uh, sometimes that I've learned is getting people and students to elaborate is simply repeating uh, maybe the last two words that they said and ended with, uh, with a simple, just friendly like, all right, so for example, um, Reggie said long games, that their expertise is long games. So I simply type back long games with a question mark hoping that Reggie would expand on that. Tell me more, okay? Tell me more about lawn games uh, and be specific and find details. And I wanna learn details about that, okay? Uh, so we've we've got that. So I'd love to learn more about that, Reggie. Uh, Howie, turning content into math memes. So math memes, cool. I'd love to you know see some examples. Uh, what are those? I know what a math meme is. I know what a meme is. I kind of know what math is. I mean, I have a decent understanding of math concepts and content. What do those two worlds look like when they combine? Tell me more. Julie, trying new recipes. You've taken me out of math land because I don't always associate recipes with math unless, uh, you know, that's a specific unit and a word problem. So tell me more about recipes. What's your expertise with recipes? Sarah, sharing enthusiasm and being fearless. What does that look like, Sarah? What if you, if someone said, oh man, Sarah is so enthusiastic. I love when she fill in the blank. What would that look like? What is that character trait that says Sarah's an expert with being enthusiastic and fearless? Nikki, I love the fact that you would say you humanize mathematics. That's a very challenging thing to do. I'm very jealous of you and that you help students learn from a teacher who is far from perfect. What's a specific time in, in your life, Nikki, that you remember humanizing mathematics where a student felt relieved from that experience or they felt, um, they felt enlightened or they felt comfortable or they felt safe? Maybe where did they feel safe because you provided them with a way to humanize mathematics? Leanne, Leanna, sorry, am I saying that right? Creating songs, what type of songs? What are those things? These are the things our students need from us right now because this is kind of like the key into the, the fact that we can maybe you know, spend some time teaching math with them. So Reggie, thanks for elaborating. You got cornhole, can jam, bocce, spike ball, cool. How do we bring those in to our students to experience that? Can we, is there a way to fit some mathematics into that, into your into your classroom and talk mathematics about it. And so that kids can see your passion for math and your passion for lawn games. Sarah, thanks for sharing your um, confessing errors that I make. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great way to do that. Yeah, can you tell me more? Uh, my GMD host, I just wanna keep saying that. So Lee, thank you. Yeah, that's always a good one. Casey, I knew how he was going to say that. That's good. That's good. See, like, it's almost like a brand. 
you can count on Howie to do that. So if his students can rely on him to provide memes, that's amazing, okay? Yeah, I think uh, I agree with Lee that I, I think for lawn games, there's definitely probability involved for sure, especially with the, the types. Also, there are some design principles with the specific um, games that he that that Reggie mentioned. Sorry, I'm assuming Reggie is a. I made the assumption, Reggie. Sorry, um, but you've got cornhole, can jam, bocce, spike ball. Like, who decided that the hole in cornhole should be the have the diameter that it does, or the board, the rectangular surface should be what it is, and what's the advantages or disadvantages of either increasing or decreasing one of those two properties? Or principles, you know. Same thing with Can Jam. If you if you're familiar with Can Jam, and it's got that rectangular slot that you have to throw the frisbee. How did someone determine that that's the right size, right? Like you don't want to you want to make the game challenging enough, but not easy enough, right? So, but not too easy, right? Nikki, thanks for elaborating. In your last support class, you had a circle meeting, and your students said my classroom was the first time they felt safe. See, that's awesome. I love it. That's what we need. Okay, that instant feedback that you get from students about providing them with an experience that they're like, okay, this person is supposed to be an expert. They're in education. They've probably gone through some training. I'm not saying that kids think, oh my gosh, they have a credential and they did this and they went to school. They know it like a probably some type of, um, they have some type of information or some information to know that you are in a place where you're an expert in your field. Um, but that's sometimes an easy assumption. So how awesome is it that you're able to provide that human side of things that students are experience? Cool. So guys, I hope that you're reflecting on your practice, whether it's right now or later at some point, and you're like, I can bring my expertise to this, this crazy time in education. Uh, so share it. You guys shared it right now. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to plus one to the share it in the sense of uh, do an add on to that. Encourage your colleagues to share it. Encourage your colleagues to share with you. I know that can be self-serving, but I just today I got done with a, a Google meet with some teachers around uh, our district uh, just to say what's working for you. And even if it's, uh, hey, I've got this um, new way I'm taking attendance uh, virtually and it saved me three minutes in class and I actually have a prep period now because I'm doing attendance faster, like that is something that we all need. I know it doesn't talk to the teaching of mathematics, but now it's relieved us of some mental calories that and energy that we can put towards teaching mathematics, okay? So I encourage you to share it as well as encourage others to share too. So let's talk about discovering the expertise of your students. Okay, this is sometimes more challenging, especially when you have possi possibly over 100 students. I have 150 students right now, over 150, and I'm trying to figure out how do I make a personal connection. So I've tried various things to try and make those personal connections with kids, icebreakers, some Google Forms, you know, trying to find uh, flip grids. There's a lot of technology at our fingertips and sometimes that information about our students can get lost or squashed because there's so many students that I have to tune into and try and make that personal connection. So how do we find their expertise? So it's challenging. Again, I'm not pre pretending to be an expert in this, but we will share our, our moments here of expertise. What I'm encouraging you to do is find a window, not to jump out of. Uh, I'm encouraging you to find a window into what students are capable of, what's their expertise, and it doesn't necessarily have to be mathematics. It could be their personality. It could be their charm. It could be their character, okay? It could be their comedic relief, you know, whatever it might be, okay? So uh, find a window. And like I said, if you're in a, if, if you are not, if you are back to person or face-to-face -face instruction, I'm sure this has taken on a new meaning. Uh, if you're in a virtual reality like me right now, still teaching, that window is sometimes difficult. So Desmos is one of those wonderful windows that has actually um, been able to provide us teachers with sometimes what I feel like are more enhanced features now that quarantine or virtual learning has happened. I feel like they, they stepped up their game, they stepped up to the plate 
they were already hitting home runs and now they're like hitting grand slams it feels so the way that their their team has responded to really placing students again at the center and also student uh, teachers supporting teachers in in their in their quest to connect with kids they're doing a fantastic job uh, i'm going to share with you what i've learned from my students by using desmos as a window um, and we'll, we'll spend about 10 minutes um, and then i'll share what students have given me so if you guys want to play along here i'm going to give you guys a, a desmos activity code and uh, if you have your computer with you you'll log in um, show of hands in the chat um, who's going to play along in Desmos? Like if it's one person, then I might just say, hey, let's for the good of the group, let's just uh, do this together and you can watch. So I've got one person playing along. How many people are going to play along in Desmos if you can tell me in the chat? Two people, three people, four. Let's get to, uh, I'll just arbitrarily set a number in my mind if we get there. Okay, five was my arbitrarily set number. <laughs> we are beyond five, cool. So uh, I gave you the code. Uh, for those of you playing along, if you know to go to student.desmos.com and wanna play along in the after hours, the code will be P-Z-B-Y-D-H. One more time, that's P-Z-B-Y-D-H. And uh, anybody listening to this after the fact can toss that code into student.desmos.com and you'll have access to the activity and screens we did. So <clears throat> for those of you listening in your car after the fact or just kind of getting dinner ready in the background and not able to play along, whatever you're doing, the first screen, I'm going to share my screen, is all of you, let's just do entire screen because that's fun until we get the, oh, I did it not like that. There we go. Okay, so the first screen is an estimate to ask how long does it take Mr. Stadel to walk the entire length of the court? And our students can drag a slider to see the distance of the court if that's helpful. And then they are asked to estimate and explain their reasoning. So I'm asking students to, um, I did a notice and wonder out, uh, out loud, uh, out loud, that sounds funny, but in the chat and anybody that wanted to unmute um, in our uh, conference app that we were using. And um, I heard a lot of great things from kids. And now we're at the point where they can actually take some information and estimate it. So our students right here are estimating. Uh, it's gonna take about 30 seconds, 10 seconds, 15, maybe three minutes, maybe two minutes. Uh, it depends on how fast I walk. So uh, to remind you, if you forgot, I am about six foot four and I have a pretty decent stride. So I would say if you're going past a minute, you have me walking really slow. <laughs> and I'm not going to walk. I'm a fast walker. So my students uh, are giving me a window into their reasoning, uh, their sense of time even if it's virtual. And for me, this is a great safe environment for them because I can anonymize it and as well as I can uh, use the snapshots tool that student, uh, teach uh, Desmos has provided us with. Okay, now I'm gonna pause it. Uh, or I'm, no, you know what, I'm gonna allow, move you guys after you've made your estimate. You can go ahead and find out on screen two, watch the video, it takes about a half a, half a minute to watch. Uh, check it out, go to screen two and watch the, Watch the video, and then there's a follow-up question. Watch the video and answer the question after the video. For those of you unable to play along, they're gonna watch a video of me walking across the court, seeing how long it takes me, and the follow-up question is, what would be Mr. Stadel's approximate walking rate as a unit rate? So I'm gonna fast forward my video so those watching this later can see, okay. So it takes me about 14 seconds. For those of you that can't see, it takes about 14 seconds for me to walk 84 feet. Now as mathematicians, we, can, we have a strong control over what a unit rate is, what a rate is, 
And it was interesting. This gave me a wonderful um, window into what my seventh graders remembered or were confused about in regarding rates and how to find a unit rate. This was really telling, okay? But I was able to find some expertise. I was able to see how kids articulate their thinking, how they think of something, and sometimes an expertise of a student is simply being brave enough to ask a question or simply being brave enough to say, I'm unsure. So we need to find that expertise in our students, whether it's mathematical thinking, mathematical calculations, or asking questions or simply stating, I'm unsure. So thank you for following up on that. Now this lesson design is to take students and transition them into graphing stories. So I'm gonna move you all along and give you a chance to graph this basketball story using Desmos's sketch tool. So you're gonna jump you to screen five. You'll have um, the video again, and you'll also have the sketch tool where you can graph this story. So for those of you playing along, I'm gonna give you about two minutes to get as far as you can. If you need the two minutes, great. If you don't, that's great too. Now, for some of you that are maybe unfamiliar with graphing stories and uh, you're like, I checked out, graphing stories is a way to take a, a visual part of this world, something that's happening over time, and try and illustrate it in a math coordinate plane where you're comparing time to another measurement. In this case, the measurement is my total distance traveled. So we're comparing two measurements, the time that's always passing compared to the total distance I traveled when walking. Now, if you're watching the webcam, you can see that Desmos is giving me a window into what students are doing. I break my kids into breakout rooms uh, in groups of four in their study teams. And um, I have one of them share their screen so they can all collaborate together. Um, just like the classroom, there are students that disengage. Just like the classroom, there's maybe a student that overpowers and takes over the math and the thinking for everybody. So that's been hard to navigate. What I'm looking for in those breakout rooms is the expertise that they can bring to the group. And that's been hard lately. I'll admit that's been super hard lately. It's been challenging to, uh, it's so much easier to walk up to a group of students in a classroom and to quickly assess based off the work they already have or the conversations that I've been eavesdropping on to find out where they're at and what their each of their expertise is and what each can bring to the table. Whether it's mathematical thinking, mathematical calculations, questions, or uncertainty. So cool. Thanks for playing along. I'm going to show you uh, some student work that I grabbed. So I'm going to go to my teacher account uh, that I use with students and check out this um, this expertise that I had in my classroom. Uh, you can see that one student used dots and they just marked certain points on the basketball court where I was at the time, um, which is great. It's a great start, as I tell my students. It's a great start. Remember, expertise takes time, trial and error. The student on the right has this idea of a straight line. They have me starting at one second or near six, six feet, which is my unit rate and they have me finishing 14 seconds at 84 feet. So they have this idea, again, a great start. They're on their road to, both of these students are on the road to expertise, they need some fine tuning, okay? So once again, find that window. Desmos is a great window into what students know and their expertise, okay? Um, I'm gonna move you guys in your activity to the next screen. Uh, you looked pretty good on this one, everybody. I'm gonna move you to screen seven. It's a slightly different prompt, but the same video. And what you're doing here is now comparing time to my distance from mid-court. So it's the same video. For those of you that aren't able to play along, their students are responsible for graphing the story of my distance from mid-court, reminding yourselves that the court is 84 feet long. And mid-court is... <laughs> Sounds redundant, but it's midway between the two basketball hoops, right? So it's the half court line. 
<clears throat> now, my students struggle with this one this week. This was extremely challenging for a lot of students. It made it hard. They made it, <laughs> they kept me on my toes and made it challenging for me to find those little bits of expertise that they do possess. I know it's there, I gotta find it. So as you guys are working on this, let me show you what they did uh, right here. I had a lot of students still think that um, I was zero feet away from midcourt. They put a point at the origin. So at zero seconds, I was zero feet away from midcourt. Um, no, we had to have a pretty hard conversation about the fact that I was 42 feet away, okay? So these two students had this idea. I like student one in the sense of they're giving me something interesting mathematically. They see that uh, I should stop at 42 feet or 42 is somewhere in here, they're telling me. 42 is important somewhere. Same thing with student B. They, uh, they know that seven seconds is half of 14. So they put their line all the way up to seven seconds. So they're telling me something math, they know something mathematical. And then this, I found this one gem. This one student just took two red dots and said, Mr. Stadel is gonna start 42 feet away at half, when he is at half court, he's gonna be seven seconds into the video. Some pretty cool stuff. I had to dig deep, I had to look hard, but you know what? Desmos gave me that window, okay? All right, so for all of you uh, that wanna get into this later, I'm gonna go ahead and, uh, what's it called? Turn the pacing on. Really the meat of this activity is screens one through, um, I'll just leave the whole thing on. You can guys can have fun with it. Um, yeah, I won't restrict your screens. I'll just turn that off. All right, so I'm gonna come back and uh, turn the pacing off for you guys. You guys can play along with that. And then I'm gonna come back to the, um, what's it called here? Our webinar. And I need to, oh gosh, I hope Lee, I do this right. Yay, I did it right. Okay, so hey guys, I didn't think we would take this long. I thought we would be out of here before seven. But I'm gonna wrap things up. Uh, we don't need all this information. I already went over that with you guys with the actual experience. Um, this was uh, another window. Sorry, this is my next segue into a second window that I've been using is to uh, getting my students to create something in uh, Google Slides. Uh, students. I broke them into their breakout rooms and then gave them uh, one Google Slides document that they had editing, all had editing access to. I know that sounds really scary, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, but it, I, I invested a lot of time in appropriate behavior and what that might look like. And so in Google Slides, I was able to turn all the slides into tiles and then I could see which groups were working and which groups were kind of um, going at a slower pace thinking maybe they needed some help and I could join those breakout rooms quickly. Uh, so Google Slides is another window where I can structure their activities and getting them working in their teams to show me what they're mathematically curious about or mathematically calculating or what questions they have or what uncertainties they have. So those are the four things I'm looking for. Those are all four examples of expertise. So um, as we close here uh, in a few minutes, I mean, hopefully giving you some ideas to discover your students' expertise as well. There's plenty, it's a long journey. I'm realizing every day I can't do it all. I'm realizing I can't get to know every single student and a lot about them every single day. It's hard. I also can't teach all the math that I'm um, by law supposed to teach this year. Uh, that's gonna be hard. I'll admit it, you guys got me on recording. It's challenging in this virtual reality that we are in right now. Um, where the pacing doesn't feel like it would be if we were in the classroom. But sometimes I tell myself, you know what, if I can invest more time in that student connection, uh, that's gonna pay dividends. And so I'm inspiring you to find those bits of expertise that you, your colleagues have, your students have, and for you to share them, okay? So just like I asked you to share the bits of expertise with each other uh, about yourselves, find them in your students and shower some expertise, love on them too. I wanna leave you all with an email I got this last weekend from a student, very articulate student. Um, I, had to, I had to do a double take. 
Uh, I said, hello, Mr. Stadel. I hope you're having an amazing day so far. I really enjoyed the class today. I'm not showing this to brag. Uh, talking about class, my Surface Pro's battery died on me during class today. I'm sure that's very common, right? In this, in this in learning environment, remote learning. And I have no idea how we ended class. I hope you don't mind telling me what happened after class. Hope you have an amazing weekend. Um, first of all, the fact that a student um, reached out to me, I was super grateful for. Uh, they're curious about mathematics. I, I must have done something that resonated with them that they, they wanted to learn more about math uh, or because really, I was, when I replied back, I'm like, oh, you didn't miss too much. I said that you guys will continue working on the Desmos activity I started, uh, we started today. You know, it's kind of one of those things. Um, so it's it feels good to have those connections with students. And then what even was more touching is that they followed their email with, um, they ended their email by saying, P.S., make sure to buy yourself ice cream too, along with your kids. Uh, I shared that cookies and cream is my favorite. And um, she says, parents are always self-sacrificing these days as are teachers. So teachers, hang in there, find your expertise. I know you know it. I hope tonight um, reinvigorated you uh, or reawakened maybe the expertise that you sometimes feel like you can't share because you're just in a hamster wheel channeling, trying to just, you know, survive. I get the feeling. I'm right there with you. Um, but find your expertise. Find the expertise of your students. And, um, you know, hopefully in six months we'll be able to come out of this and say, yeah, we've got some we've got some experts in the house. We know what we're doing. Uh, maybe fewer than six months. Whatever. I'm not going to set up a timetable. I don't even know why I said that. But um, I appreciate you all for being here, stay, spending our Tuesday night together. And uh, with that, I hope you have a great rest of the year. Thanks for sharing with me. Uh, I can't wait to uh, connect with you in the future, whether it's uh, in person or virtually. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you very much, Andrew, for presenting. And thank you to everyone that took the time to be here uh, tonight. Um, this is being recorded, so if there are other teachers you want to share this video with, uh, just make sure you uh, come back maybe in about 24 hours and you'll be able to share the link to them that uh, goes along with this session. Uh, our next session is going to be next week on September 1st, and the title of that session is Feedback Without Fatigue, which sounds wonderful to to not have uh, fatigue, especially early on at the beginning of the school year. Um, and that presentation is recommended for grades six through 12. And the presenter for that session is Christine Kerner. So I hope you'll be able to join us next week. Have a good, good evening, everyone.